Yes, we have all gone full blown nutty between the internet, the cancel culture, the censorship, the craziness. We're nutty like Jesus, take the wheel. Okay. But you know what? I don't have Jesus with me today, but I have the next best thing who, who may help us. Okay. Through this chaos. She is a certified psychotherapist. How about that? We have a certified therapist entering the cancel me baby chat. And guess what? She is one that you are going to recognize guys. Please help me in welcoming the Dr. Jen man. You know, Dr. Jen, because she is a VH1 star. She's on couples therapy and family therapy and get your Kindles popping. Okay. Because she wrote the book, the relationship fix. I'm going to have the title on the screen for you here. And she's also multifaceted woman. We love it. She is an in-style columnist on all things relationships. So hi, Dr. Jen. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So we, we connected because the saga that keeps on saga-ing, right, is the Chrissy Teigen bullying scandal. Now, my listeners know that I have been talking about this. So guys, we're not going to beat a dead horse. We're going to take different angles today and really get into it with Dr. Jen, because she is involved in this as well. Uh, she is Courtney Stodden's therapist. Uh, like I said, uh, from couples couples therapy therapy. on couples therapy. Correct. And you also had worked with Farah Abraham, who I had on last week to talk about all this because of this web that just keeps expanding by the second, right? I had worked at VH1, called out Chrissy's bullying in a piece. Uh, Dr. Jen, you work at VH1. Farah Abraham was also on couples therapy. She is also one of the women who was publicly attacked by Chrissy, which is why I had her on last week. And so you're going to provide us today with a totally uh, different view. Yeah. And I mean, Chrissy Teigen has been kind of going through my show, like season two, Courtney, season four, Farah, also family therapy, Lindsay Lohan's parents were on the show. So, I mean, she really has been kind of making her way through people who do therapy with me on TV. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Do all roads lead to and from Chrissy Teigen or VH1? I just don't even know anymore. VH1. I'm, I'm going to say VH1. <laughs> if you guys are watching, she has all her little, uh, I love it, the VH1 uh, paraphernalia in the back. So uh, she's represented today. It's great. So you had tweeted, okay, so everybody by now knows what's going on. If not, get out from under your boulder, okay? Um, this all really exploded because Courtney had talked about it. Uh, Chrissy coming after her publicly and privately in the Daily Beast. Uh, you had tweeted at the time, Shame on you, Chrissy Teigen, for bullying and harassing Courtney, who is already being exploited and abused as a minor by adults. As a woman, mother, and feminist, you should know better. May you do some serious therapy and soul searching to figure out why you were so triggered and cool. Now, something that bothers me is how it seems to be not only with Courtney, but with Farah, to your point, Lindsay Lohan, right? This thing, like Vox wrote an article about it saying, well, these women are, you know, they're kind of public targets at the time. So it's okay. Yeah. And we see that with kids when you think about it in school, right? It's like everyone picks on that kid. So it's okay. I mean, from your vantage point, why is this a perpetual thing, especially in Hollywood? Well, look, I think that Chrissy in particular went after people who it was kind of easy to dislike because of the way the public had sort of attack them. And I think that, 
you know, sort of a hypersexualized woman is a very easy target. And Courtney, as a young child, was hypersexualized by her mother, then hypersexualized by Doug. Farah was also hypersexualized at a very early age. And I think that for a lot of people, women in particular, I think when you haven't done the work on yourself, I think that can be really triggering. I think it can feel threatening. I think it can feel scary. I think it can make you, it can force you to have to look at your own issues around sex and sexuality. And what does it mean to be a powerful woman? And is this a threat to my partner, myself? Like it, it I think that it is, the women that she has focused on are people who were easy targets because they elicit something in ourselves that is significant. And I think that that's really important to look at. That's kind of what Farah echoed last week. And something I thought of when I was prepping for this interview with you is the irony, and this is not to pick on Chrissy Teigen. Look, like I wrote, you know, an op-ed in USA Today saying, I don't even think she should be canceled. I agree with you. I think that she should... Oh, you were on the fence about that one. I think she should get the help and grow and really have a dialogue with her fans. I'm sorry, I want to, I want to have you interject. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you. Look, I think that, that she really needs to look at what was going on with her, that she was so deeply triggered that it wasn't just like she put someone down. She actually wrote Courtney and encouraged her to commit suicide. If someone is triggering you that significantly, there is something significant from your history, your trauma, your background that you would go at a 16 year old girl and encourage her to commit suicide. Um, You would take the time and the effort. This is a busy woman who has a lot of successful businesses that she would take the time from her own life to track down to DM, to send a message like that, something is is ignited in you that you've got to look at. And to me, that's what's important. Completely agree. And the irony I was going to say is, you know, Chrissy T, you know, you talk about the sexualization, especially with the young women. I mean, I, you know, I'm a proponent of women expe- expressing themselves sexually. I told Pharaoh, like I was in Playboy and something that I pitched. And the irony that, you know, Chrissy Teigen started as a swimsuit model, let's not forget. So that to me is really interesting because it's not like she's a nun. So the fact that you would be going after other women targeting their sexuality, I mean, what is that? But, but it's also, you know, these are women who in particular were sexualized at a very young age and they, these are women who were victims of other people that I'm sorry, when you're 16 years old and you have a, a mother, a momager, who is encouraging you to be hypersexualized in order to sell you and then encourages you. And look, we talked about all of this season two of my show, BH1 Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen. And, and I talked to her mom, so I'm not sharing anything that hasn't been publicly documented, that her mother sold off her daughter to a 50 some odd year old man at the mm-hmm. age of 16 mm-hmm. and thought that this was a good idea. And, and that to me is it really, it, it's, it's a crime. And that that happened to Courtney and that then someone like Chrissy Teigen who has fame, success, a spouse, that she is someone who has, you know, a, a life that many people admire and could only wish for, that she is then going after a young girl who was exploited is really quite stunning. 
Absolutely. I've echoed that those sentiments uh, yeah. back, you know, five years ago for VH1 and currently in USA Today. And I also want to make it clear. Yeah, me, me choosing to be in Playboy is so not the same, you guys listening, as being exploited as a young girl. So let's clear that up right away. Um, yeah. You know, what do you see again, this person who, you know, you get a pass because it's like, oh, well, they're the public target, right? Beyond, you know, young women in media, how do you see this? Like, again, why is this perpetuated? Is, is it a function of like a tribal mentality? Is it a function of social media? You've been doing this a long time. Has it gotten worse? Or again, does this is this something that applies to kids on the playground? There, look, there is no doubt that this has gotten worse. Social media allows us to do things very anonymously. And obviously in this case, Chrissy Teigen was not anonymous, but what tends to happen is a celebrity will attack someone and then there's a pile on that follows yes. from a lot of people who are anonymous that you don't know if their twitter is really them you don't know if that's really their name some of them are just the, the egg or you know whatever and i think that there is a kind of bullying that a lot of people who are very unhappy in their own lives who are um threatened by someone like a courtney or a farah or whoever that it allows them to sort of anonymously get friends. And I think that people really need to be doing the work on themselves it's, and really examining yeah. why am I doing this pile on? And there's times where there is a pile on that is really about something you really believe in. Like someone has attacked a celebrity that you really like and you their values align with yours. They've attacked them for something that you feel is unfair. Then by all means, go for it. But when someone is attacking a minor child and slut shaming, you got to ask yourself, what's going on with me that I'm joining in on this? And I do think like you're asking, I think that there is a mentality in this day and age. I think there's an anonymity. I think that people um, get out their aggressions online. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of bullying and public shaming that exists. There are more media outlets now than there, you know, if you look at 20 years ago, there were a select few number of magazines. Now there are so many different sources that can tell these stories. There are online, there are magazines, there are newspapers, and people have their own large followings on social media that allows them to do that as well. And it's just, people are so, first of all, you know, this is kind of cheesy. It's from Lisa Renna on Housewives of Beverly Hills, but she says, hurt people, hurt people to the, to, to the effect of what you're saying. And also, People, you know, they wouldn't say this stuff if they're in person with you. So that's the, you know, the toxicity yeah. of social, social media. And I have to tell you, after having Farah on last week, it was so eye-opening to me because yeah. like, to your point, people will pile on and they'll run with their narrative. I'm like, Farah could join the Peace Corps and they will still attack her. They're attacking yep. her. Even though we had an open dialogue, then they're attacking me for merely having her on the platform. It was real. I was like, oh, yeah. I feel bad for Farah. It's like, oh, yeah. no matter what anyone does, it's really quite insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing. And I've, you know, I've worked with, you know, I've done six seasons of couples therapy to a season of family therapy on, on BH1. And it's always amazing to me that just even by association with various different people, people will come after you. And look, I, I think that there were some, there was some legitimate questioning 
of, hey, why are you doing therapy with Courtney and Doug if you are so concerned about Courtney? And I think that's 100% legitimate. And look, my answer, and I really struggled with this with my producers before they came on the show. I had many, many conversations saying, I don't know how I feel about this, but ultimately I opted to do it for a couple of reasons. One is I felt that someone like Courtney would never get therapy otherwise, Mm -hmm. that she was basically under the control of a man in his fifties and a momager who was controlling her image and that the odds of her getting therapy was someone who was going to help empower her, plant the seeds and, and really help to um, get her to question what was going on would not happen any other way. And I, I struggled with it, but I felt like ultimately I could do more good that way. And, and, she and I have been in touch since. And that's something that she has really thanked me for on a number of occasions where she has said, like, you were really the one that, that called out what was going on. And that, that's something that makes me feel good as a therapist that I did plant those seeds and, and they really, they took. Cause at the time, did people think that you were kind of enabling it or cause you had said, you know, it was kind of push and pull for me. Yeah, there were some people who did call into question, hey, why are you doing this if you're so against it? Because they even showed footage of me saying like, hey, this is not okay and really questioning it. And so I think it was a legitimate question to ask, but I really felt like I weighed sort of, okay, am I enabling this or am I helping someone who I really felt was a victim of of really being exploited as a child. And, and I opted to go with that. And I'm really glad that I did. I have, I have no regrets, but I struggle with it a lot at the time in all honesty. You know, she's become the face of this whole thing. And I find it fascinating that she had spoken up, but this isn't the first time she spoke up about it, but for whatever reason, this is the time that it blew up. Does she deserve more credit than she's getting for putting up with this for all these years? I think Courtney deserves so much credit. She is, she has really developed into such a classy, mm-hmm. thoughtful yeah. um, human being. And, and I'm really proud of who she has become. And I think that she really exercised an enormous amount of restraint, restraint beyond her years, um, impulse beyond her years that she has managed to express herself in a way that really called out the truth of what happened without being nasty when it would have been really easy to take the low road. But Courtney really has taken the high road. And she's also been honest when she was asked the questions about these issues, she shared it in a way that was factual. And then she really took the high road in her approach and was honest. And when Tegan had said that she apologized, Courtney told the truth and said, hey, this, she's never reached out to me and I've moved on. Like, I, I, which I think is, is incredibly classy. Absolutely. And I wonder if people really take the time to, you know, at surface level, yes, it's awful, but really take the time to think about you know, as a young woman getting piled on by a massive celebrity like that in such a brutal way and living with that, how isolating and how challenging, you know, and that's haunting. I mean, that kind of thing I'm sure Look, Courtney was already in a situation where she was isolated. She was a child bride. 
I mean, it doesn't get more isolating than, than that. There's a documentary that came out recently that I highly recommend that's all about child brides in the United States because we tend to think that, oh, that only happens in other countries. But it actually is a huge problem in this country. And I think it's important for people to understand that when you are an exploited child like that, you are unbelievably isolated. The number one way to control someone is to isolate them. And Courtney was in a situation where she was very isolated. It's not like when you're 16 years old and you're married to someone in their fifties, you go to the mall with your friends and, you know, go shopping. You're in a very different, unique world. And so she, and she was very isolated. And, and I think a lot of people didn't know how to relate to her, that she had celebrities. She was a child bride. She was hypersexualized. I think that it really added to the isolation, made her an ideal target for someone like Chrissy Teigen. Would you say the same thing? You know, Lindsay Lohan is also was also another target. Chrissy had tweeted something like, you know, to the effect of Lindsay slitting her wrists. And this is after allegedly she hadn't, yeah, Dr. Jen just rolled her eyes after uh, Lindsay had an attempted suicide. You had worked with her parents. Yeah. You know, beyond the sexualization, it's like, I would just wish that women would have compassion yeah. of all people. Like women have compassion for other women in hard situations, right? Versus, you know, uh, antagonize them. <laughs> I mean, just talk about, I, I roll my eyes because it, it, even though I've read it so many times, I, it's still quite stunning to me that someone could be that cruel and kick someone when they're down like that. I mean, Lindsay was struggling to stay clean and sober and, you know, that is an honorable fight and whether she has succeeded or not that she's fighting the fight like that is a painful fucking thing to go through and to kick someone when they're down like that and to use their vulnerability and their pain to get followers or just be cruel is it's really shocking and again to me it comes back to what in the world is going on with Tegan that this hit such a chord with her that she would say something that cruel to someone publicly. Dr. Jen, why has Chrissy Teigen gotten away with this for so long? I have my, you know, I have my theories and I, I wrote about them in USA Today. Like I said, I had called this out five years ago and it was swept under the rug. Why has this been going on for so long? I know she's been written, been written off as like the irreverent, politically incorrect celebrity wife, but from your vantage point, why? Um, look, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts as well. I, I think that because she has positioned herself historically as, as being the one who's kind of says the unsayable and is able to do it with humor, she's very charismatic. She has an, an enormous following. She has a celebrity husband. She's got a lot of power and a lot of um, juice behind her. And when someone hits that status, they historically have been somewhat untouchable. But in the last few years, the untouchable have become touchable because people are getting called out on their shit. And when yeah. they're cruel, when they exploit people, when they harm people, when they rape people, when they take advantage of their power, and I'm not saying Chrissy has done all of those things, but I'm just looking at kind of the headlines of the last few years, you know, like a Harvey Weinstein, mm -hmm. that people are getting called out on the bad things they're doing, regardless of where they are in terms of their power and their um, their their history and their their money. 
I think this is an ultimate indication of that. As I had written, I mean, from my vantage point, and look, I've worked for these, you know, quote unquote, feminist outlets uh, who are supposed to have women's best interests at heart. Uh, and I, I saw it, you know, I saw it firsthand. And I think the thing with Chrissy, it was like the perfect storm, right? Because she was, as I said, in USA today, like the woke queen, right? She, she was on the side of the woke. She checks the boxes. I know this isn't politically correct, but she's a woman of color. So there is, I, and I'm a white woman saying this, but I feel like there's, you get a little bit more leeway and they always had propped her up on a pedestal as like the untouchable because of all of these things. It's like, you can do no wrong. And so the way I positioned it was like, okay, but wait a minute, she's hurting other women. So are you that committed to propping her up that you won't call her out when she's hurting the women you're trying to protect? And additionally, I think people make excuses because she has been open about her own struggles, right? Her, uh, her fertility issues, her alcohol, uh, abuse, things like that. So what, at what line, when, where do we draw the line and say, okay, but you know, that's not, that doesn't make it okay to do this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you ask a really important question and I don't think that our own suffering gives us a pass on causing suffering on others. I think that our own suffering really calls us to have even more of an imperative to do the work on ourselves so that we're clean about what we're saying about other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, on my radio show, I've always said, I recommend that everybody do one year of weekly therapy. And if you're in a relationship, do six months of couples, weekly couples therapy at some point in your life just so that you can have that ability to self-reflect. And sometimes people say, well, I can't afford that. But what most people don't realize is that there are mental health clinics all around this country. In order to become a therapist, you have to do 3000 hours under supervision where you don't get paid and you do it in these clinics. And now, especially post COVID, most of these clinics are doing online therapy. So it's still available. Even if you're in a smaller town, check out like the nearest city, check out the nearest university near you so that you can find out what is available to you. There are also a lot of hotlines that offer free counseling, especially if there's a specific issue that you're struggling with. But I think that we all, whether you're a celebrity or not, I think we all have a a real um, responsibility to work on ourselves, not just for ourselves, but for our partners, for our families, for the people that we love and for, for society as a whole. I think the more insight we have about ourselves, the more we know our triggers, the more we're aware of our own hurts and pain, the better we are at telling when we are triggered and sometimes shutting the fuck up when we feel like saying something cruel and mean and instead yeah. self-reflecting and saying, why is this triggering me so much? What's going on with me that I'm having this reaction? Going off of that, this may or may not surprise you. Uh, Kind of flipping what's gone on on its head. Because Mm -hmm. to your point, you know, we've brought in, you know, these powerful figures who have done bad things, Harvey Weinstein, et cetera, have been, have come crumbling down, right? As they should, because what they did was not okay. However, something I've pointed out is that men kind of take the brunt of everything. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to this, and I've gotten so much feedback going, thank you for saying this. Yes, it's true. Because women as a woman have tortured me, right? That really, that, that, uh, you know, the cattiness and that whole thing that I feel like goes overlooked, hence Chrissy Teigen, which I think is another reason why people overlooked it and gave it a pass. I don't think that necessarily it takes 
you know, a man to be a bully. Look at what Chrissy Teigen did. It's like the same, if even worse. So what are your thoughts on that? Like that sort of women on women crime and, and, you know, when it comes to powerful women uh, in Hollywood. Look, I think it's very disappointing. I, I think that as women, we need to stick together. I think that we need to help boost each other up. I think that it's it's particularly disturbing when it's someone who has so much power and so much success, who's picking on people who are um, kind of like we were saying before, easy targets. You know, it's like there are people who the public loves to hate. And I think that, you know, Courtney fell into that category because of, again, the hypersexualized appearance that her momager encouraged her to do. And I think that Farah has fallen into that category because of the videos that have come out. And I think that even Lindsay uh, comes into that category because of her very painful open struggles. And I think that one of the things that, um, that as a society we love to do is build people up and, and tear them down. And I think it's particularly troubling when it's a woman in power harming other women. I think that it's particularly disappointing and that that we really have a responsibility to look to all human beings, like we're soulful creatures. Like let's be aware that other people have feelings. And I think it's very easy to forget because someone is a celebrity or because they become almost a caricature of something else. And it's easy to forget these are people with hearts and souls and vulnerabilities and you know, on, on my show, VH1 Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen, a lot of the time, a lot of the sessions, and some were shown and some were not, just out of time, but a lot of the times celebrities have talked about how painful it can be to be beaten up by the media, how painful it can be that pile on of, you know, negative social media from, you know, followers, fans, enemies, whoever, and that these are human beings. And I think that it's, it's important to really to look at that. And I think that, um, you know, it doesn't matter your gender, male, female, non-binary, that you need to really be thinking about who are you beating up on and, and why, and what are your values? You know, I feel like I chose to say something about Chrissy Teigen because for me, it, it was, what I said was consistent with my values. And I think that we really have to look at when we speak up about stuff and, you know, look, nobody's perfect. And, you know, I think that you in particular address this in addressing sort of the cancel culture. We all make mistakes. And at the same time, this, this was more than just a mistake. This was a pattern of cruel and abusive behavior to vulnerable people. Do you see this cycle of pitting women against each other. I mean, reality TV is a culprit of this. I always think about this. Look, I love Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I've met them. I've been to all the places they've been. I am like tomorrow night, you know, Wednesday night, it's going to be popping. But sometimes I think to myself, you know, they wouldn't have a show or if they did, it wouldn't be very successful. I feel like they've tried of men, you know, kind of going at each other's throats and flipping tables at each other, et cetera. So is this just, am I wishful thinking or, you know, or naive to think that we could nip the cycle in the butt or is it just human nature? Is this just going to well, be, is this always going to be a thing? Well, I think conflict is fascinating and whether it's two women or, you know, look, housewives has covered a lot of um, co- conflicts amongst the marriage of men and women that have ultimately dissolved in many cases. You know, I think it's very difficult to go on a lot of these shows and have a marriage survive it. So I don't think that it's, 
that, well, yes, I think that there is a kind of female against female fascination. I also think that it's, look, it's relationships that are fascinating. It is fascinating to see people have struggles because we all have struggles. And I think it's particularly fascinating to see someone who is a celebrity or who is wealthy, who has that kind of inspirational, aspirational life and to go, oh, you know, like one of the, the things that people say to me a lot about my show is, oh, seeing this celebrity go through this conflict made me feel better about the conflict I'm going through. And I think that some of it, look, we all have conflicts with our girlfriends. We all have conflicts with our partners. We all have conflicts with our families. So I think seeing that in some ways can be really helpful, but I agree with you sort of the pitting women against women is not the healthiest. And, and as a, a feminist, you know, it does concern me. I always talk about, I have, so I went to Penn state and I have a psych minor and I, my favorite class was uh, human uh, sexual psychology and going yeah. way back to the caveman. I'll talk about it on my show this time. Cause this is a top, uh, topic I bring up how women were always sort of like the gossipers, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So that's why some part of me wonders, you know, is it just an innate thing where men tend to not, not all men, but, you know, take their actions out physically, if you will. Yeah, well, look, it, it's really interesting. And, you know, while I, I don't like to oversimplify or that's a general, but what we have seen in studies of babies in utero is that female babies actually move their mouths more. They appear to be speaking or attempting to speak more that when children, babies are born, that girls tend to be more verbal when we measure kind of word count against word count. So I do think that there, there is some, um, there is some truth to kind of that there is kind of more of that going on with, with people who are born female. At the same time, look, I think that we have to look at all of like what is fascinating to us and unfortunately or fortunately for the networks conflict is what fascinates us and how people work through conflict or don't work through conflict and what it means dr jen do you have any guilty pleasure reality tv shows or because you're in it you're like i know how it goes and i've seen way too much i can't even enjoy it at this point you know i mean i my show was very not produced. And it's something that we really prided ourselves on. And my executive producer, when I auditioned for the show said to me, I make you two promises. One is nothing will ever be faked on our show. No one will ever be told what to say that, that, and two, I will never interrupt you doing therapy because I have too much respect for the therapeutic process. So sometimes it's painful for me to watch other shows that I know are very produced. That said, I've gotten sucked into a few. Um, certainly Housewives of Beverly Hills, I, I enjoy. Um, also, I, I, this is a terror, like I'm embarrassed to say, but Temptation Island has, has hooked me in every season. Yeah. See, this Although is I, what do I mean. feel, yeah, I do feel like I want to go to the island and do therapy with the people as I'm watching as a therapist. It, it, <laughs> oh, it, like, sure. It's very frustrating. I want to be there and talk, like, talk to people through this, but it, it is a guilty pleasure. I'm sure. See you guys, this is girl chat, get over it and enjoy the ride. <laughs> um, so Dr. Jen, I always try to bring, um, as you do, you are yeah. a walking example of this. I always try to bring men into the fold of our conversations yeah. because I personally don't think, you know, 
throwing stones at them and ostracizing them is going to do us any good. Uh, With that said, so I'm a millennial and I'm sure you see the memes and the gifts, right? About how men are trash. Men are trash. Now I want to get your take because this is your expertise relationships on what's going on because the way I see it, and I feel like a lot of uh, millennial women, I know like Jennifer Lawrence, like a lot of people I see high profile and not have this vantage point, which is like, yeah, you know, we could see, we would like to see men step up to the plate a little bit more. They kind of got their tail between their legs, but at the same time, I don't like blaming the patriarchy for everything left, right, and sideways. Right. I feel like it's a a cop out in some ways. So what is your take? What's going on with our, our generation here? Well, I think that more and more men are becoming aware, becoming more sensitive, becoming aware of power dynamics. I think that Um, you know, really starting with Anita Hill, if we go back looking at history, moving on to, you know, the Harvey Weinsteins, that I think that there is more of an awareness by men, particularly younger men, about power dynamics than there ever have been. And whether it is motivated by fear, watching the downfall of these men, or just simply, hey, I want to do better, whatever motivates, I am all for it. And I think that, that men in particular are becoming far more aware than they have ever been, which I think is, is really great. With that said, I agree. I had a panel, uh, with men from all walks of life, all ages, uh, you know, different races. And what's funny is different political affiliations. And they all saw eye to eye when it came to this. And they said, you know, with this whole feminist movement, I don't know what the F to do. Do I open the door for you? But you want me to be chivalrous, but then you get mad because you can say you open, you can open the door. Do you feel for them? I actually do. I I, I think that a lot of men feel that they're fucked if they do, they're fucked if they don't. And (laughs) I think it's really like knowing your audience is is key here. That there are some women who you're dating them and they really, that's very meaningful to them to have the door open or to have the meal paid for or kind of they're more traditional in certain ways. And then there are other women who will be offended. And I think that it's really a matter of knowing your audience and finding who's compatible with you and what your beliefs are as a man and as a woman and, you know, whoever, whatever gender you are and however you're connecting with people. But I think that understanding other people and being sensitive to them is, is really key. Because of all of this with technology. Now we have all these apps and we have ghosting and we have, are you kind of like, man, I am glad I'm not in this. You guys have fun with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> you know, being in, in a, a long-term relationship, you know, I, I, I do breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty grateful. I do think that it is very complicated out there. I think that it is, um, but the trends that I'm seeing, I think are very positive. I, I did for my column, my InStyle Magazine column, I did one pretty recently about honesty bombing, which is kind of a new trend amongst dating. And that what people are finding is that post COVID, you know, where many of us and, you know, not that it's completely over, but that post quarantine, post lockdown, that as people are coming out and going on dates, that they have been home really reevaluate what is important to me. Life is too short. Many people lost loved ones and are looking at at life and going, okay, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to just sit on a date and talk a bunch of bullshit and fake things. Like instead, I want to find out what does this person want? Do we have the same agenda? Like, why did your last relationship not work? 
Like, are we, do we have the same values? Okay, let, like, let's cut through the shit. And I think that that trend is actually really fantastic that people are being more honest on, on early dates in order to not waste time. So is that advice you would give? Because I can hear audience members in my mind. I can hear women still being like, men are still trash. And I can hear men being like, I still don't know what the fuck to do. So would it be communicating? Like, what would be your advice to get to to see a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, first of all, if you're someone who's sitting at home going, men are trash, then I think, and and this is going to be hard to hear, you, you can send me hate mail later. You need to look at why are you attracting men that are trash? If you're the common denominator, if you keep attracting men that are trash, because look, I have a lot of clients in private practice. I've worked with a lot of people on TV, on the radio, and there are good men out there. If you're not attracting them, you need to look at what is going on with you. What is unresolved? What have you not worked through? What are you recreating from your childhood in your choices of men? What are you closing your eyes to when the red flags come up you got to self-evaluate. And if you're a guy and you're feeling really confused, then I think you also want to look at, okay, how am I communicating? How am I, what, what am I doing in terms of listening in order to pick up on the cues from the person I'm going out with? If I'm feeling that lost and clueless, then maybe I'm not listening. Maybe I need to ask more questions because I, I talked to a lot of women who go on dates and they find that okay, I'm going out with this person. They're not asking me anything about me. They're not asking me about my values, my philosophies. They're just sitting and talking about themselves. If you're a guy who is feeling that loss, then you want to do some soul searching. What am I not doing that I'm not getting this information? And you know, what's funny? Well, it's not funny. It's actually a sad reality, but you being like, send the hate mail. People have said this on all sides and they've gotten crap. And Funny enough, it ties into my thing with Chrissy Teigen, which is like, by default, men are bad and women can never be wrong, which goes into what I was saying earlier, which is why I think she got a pass all these years. And that's something that I think we have to break. You know, and I think that we, at any time something in our life isn't working or we're feeling that negative about other people, we, we need to hold up the mirror and, and do some soul searching and say, okay, what's going on with me? I'm the common denominator. What can I do better? What have I not worked through? How can I better myself to change this cycle in my life? Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, speaking of cycles, uh, I want to get you to weigh in on Brittany's conservatorship. It's a huge deal. It's been blowing up. She spoke publicly. I talked about it with Farah last week. Uh, she spoke publicly for the first time in two years about her situation. Now, to me, what was fascinating is Rose McGowan, who always gets my attention, uh, cause I just love that she just speak, she, she's committed to her, her narrative. Right. And I'm not mad at it. She <laughs> called up Fox news and was like, I need to talk about this because I've been in Hollywood. And as a woman in Hollywood, as the first woman who came out against Weinstein, I know the sitch. And she basically said, Hollywood and media are rotten to the core. And this, this is what they do to people, you know, destroy people like Britney Spears. Now to button this all up, tying it back to earlier, these young women, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I've done a lot of consulting for a group called A Minor Consideration that was started by Paul Peterson, who's a child actor. And A Minor Consideration really advocates for child stars. So I've spent a lot of time in my career working with very well-known child stars. And one of the things that I see often, male or female, I see a lot of these children being treated as commodities. And 
parents oftentimes lose sight. And the problem when you have a parent who is a manager is that typically the pattern is you have this kid, their career gets bigger and bigger. It becomes more and more time consuming. The parent eventually has to quit their job in order to be there for the auditions, be there on set, make sure that, that everything is, is going well. But then what's happening is that you have a child who is earning more money than their parents. So right there, we have a power problem. No, you can't go out tonight. And they paid for their Ferrari and the roof over their head and the roof over your head. It becomes very difficult to be a great parent. And in order for kids to grow up in healthy ways, they need to have boundaries and structure and they need to have people who say no to them. So you've got your home environment where no one's saying no. And then you've got Hollywood where no one says no. I've seen the yes people who accommodate child stars who do such a disservice to the kid because they just want the kid to shut up and cooperate and do their lines and you know make sure that the the set that doesn't go into overtime and that a lot of the time what happens is these kids are commodities and they get treated in ways that are about what's in the best interest of the film the tv show the next album and nobody is there really looking at, okay, what is in this kid's best interest? And that's, that's where things go tragically wrong. And I've seen it all too often. Oh, absolutely. And they always get unfairly shit on. I know as being a writer and a young writer, we would always kind of to your point, like target and be like, oh, look at this young child star who's a mess yet again. And it's sad. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that the culture is, changing, even just this yeah. conversation that we're having, I think is really helpful for people because yeah. it is, it, it, it's challenging for whatever reason, how we are wired, not to look at that child star falling apart, who has millions yeah. of dollars. It's harder to have empathy. You know, it's like, there's a, a therapy show in particular that I'm thinking of that they started out doing celebrities and then they started doing some quote unquote normal people. And it just didn't work as well with normal people because it was just so heartbreaking. And somehow when we see celebrities struggle, there's almost a sense of, well, they're celebrities. They have so much more than me. Like it's not as painful to watch them struggle. It's just painful enough to suck you in, but not so painful as kind of regular people. And I, and I think that um, we have our own issues of jealousy. We have our own issues of envy. And that when we see someone, we see their big house and we see their cool clothes and we see what appears to be the perfect life, it's easy to lose track. And I call it the myth of the perfect life. And I remember one time I was doing a session with a client in my office who was talking about a celebrity and she was saying, oh, the celebrity, I'm so jealous of her. She has the perfect life. She has the perfect hair. She has the perfect boyfriend. She has the perfect house. I'm just so envious and I just wish I was her unbeknownst to her that celebrity was coming in two hours later crying about her problems with her boyfriend about her depression about her anxiety about her struggles and so I think it's really important to kind of keep in mind that yeah sure there are things that people who are celebrities have that we all wish that we had that are very inspirational aspirational but their pain is no different than our pain and yes, I know you can say, well, you know what, I'm someone who's struggling to pay my rent, who is, you know, dealing with all these terrible issues, but pain is pain. 
And there is a spectrum of pain, but when we feel pain, we all just fucking feel pain. And that it's very easy to see someone else's pain and be like, your pain's not as, as bad as my pain, so fuck you and now I'm gonna pile on. And I think we need to really be careful. Anytime we have the fuck you, I'm gonna pile on, we gotta hold up the mirror and say, what's going on with me that I'm feeling that angry and that resentful? What do I need to do to take care of myself? I think that's a perfect way to end this. And if you're listening, I want you to rewind and listen to that part again, because this is something after being in Hollywood for years, I was at the Oscars at, you know, the Emmys. Funny enough, I sat front row next to Chrissy Teigen at the Emmys recently. There you go. Full circle. But I talk about it a lot on my show, right? How they do have these charmed lives and they're in their own world. And especially the pandemic showed that, but funny enough, I had a psychic on, uh, last week and he's, he works with celebrities as well. And he said to the same point that you're saying, he said, it looks like it's all this smoke and mirrors, but believe it or not, you're freer than they are. They have all these cameras. They have all this, everything on them. They're scrutinized. So for you guys listening, I want you to rewind and listen to what Dr. Jen just said yet again, even if it's, you know, looking at someone's quote unquote, perfect life on Instagram, and it has you down in the dumps, really think about that and listen to what she's saying. And remember, we don't really know what goes on. So if it's making you feel like shit, you have, you may have no idea. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And I think that's something I hope that people really walk away from this, uh, you know, keeping with them. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Jen, coolest therapist ever. And we are all going to have the most banging sex and love lives after this. And I will surely report back. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and for your insight. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.